0: Today on Galazzo, we travel back to the turn of the millennia when donkeys flew, the amazing story of Chievo and how the flying donkeys ended up to their asses in scandal. Plus, Ivanka is what? And that Inter comeback. It's the summer of 2001 and virtually nobody is listening to Ivana Spagna singing Call Me because that was back in 1984. But nice to hear again anyway.
1: Yeah, reworked by Carly Jepsen, went to Call Me Baby.
0: Oh, right. Okay, it thanks. Wasn't. Thanks, James Horncastle, yeah, okay. And uh, alongside you, James, Gabriele Marcotti.
2: Ivana Spagna, of course, uh, keeping up that wonderful um, Italian tradition of chanteuses.
0: We'll be hearing more from her. You'll be delighted to know, listener, yes. later on. But anyway, back in that summer of 2001, when people weren't listening to Call Me, when they were packing up their things from the Vacanza Stevie and heading back home up the side of del Sole, something was going on in a tiny suburb of a northeastern city that was about to unleash a miracle on what was a crisis ridden calcio. I'm talking about the birth of the Kiev miracle. The team that swept from a, a tiny little suburb of about four thousand people to the brink of the Champions League, and has then swept kind of back down again, and has this week been handed a points deduction. What happened and how did Kiev become the bad guys? That's what this Golazzo is all about. First of all, Gab, set the scene for us. What kind of Italian football world were we heading into in the 0102 uh, season? James, in some ways, I think it was a magical time. Yeah.
2: Um No, it was... You know how, like, the age-old question, would you, would you rather live at the ascent of a civilization or during its decline? Right. In some ways, this was sort of the decline that started, but nobody really noticed because it was still... Life was still good. You know, um, the Roma and Lazio had won the Scudetto in back-to-back years, which, to a lot of people who were not fans of, of Juventus and, and Milan... You know, the, the duopoly, which had dominated the 90s, you know, there was a sense that, that that stuff could change. All the bad stuff that we later associate had either just begun or was beginning, you know, Napoli going bust, the whole Cragniotti mess at Lazio, Fiorentina going bust. All of that was to come,
1: but mm. you could see it and was
2: too. Yeah.
1: bubbling under. Oops, I yeah. tested positive in <laughs> <laughs> That was yeah. happening as well.
2: All right. Although that was mostly Dutch guys, to be fair. And if uh, you're in the Venn diagram where you're Dutch and you play for Juve. Mm. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, against all of that backdrop, you had Kievo coming into Syria. Now, Kievo were an interesting club in that only 15 years before, they'd still been an amateur side. Owned by the youngest president in Syria, Luca Campadelli, a man who made cake for a living, they had begun an extraordinary rise. They'd made some interesting appointments. Giovanni Sartori is director of football and Alberto Malasani, a former photocopy salesman, as the new head coach, under Malasani, they won City at Ciuno, went up to City at B, uh, where the city rivals Hellas Verona, a vastly bigger side, were playing. And this is where that infamous nickname began.
1: The Flying Donkeys. Um, yeah, because donkeys will fly before um, there is a derby in Verona. And uh, I think one of the really curious things about this is that fans of Hellas think that Chievo uh, have done kind of everything to appropriate their history um be it moving to the and playing there be it um wearing uh, blue and yellow as their colors when in the past they they wore blue and white um and the name, right? I mean, yeah exactly because for years they were paluani kievo which, which is, is
0: Campadelli's cake company
1: yeah and uh and then they become kievo verona and one of the reasons why they became kievo verona is because uh, luca Campadelli's dad luigi actually bought a small stake in Hellas, Verona, with the kind of aim of taking over the club and merging them both together. No. So, yeah, exactly. So that is, again, one of the reasons why Hellas fans can't stand, can't stand the right. sight of Kiev. But at this point in our story, everybody else
0: certainly can, because they are very much the good guys. Uh, under the tutelage of a vaguely Peter Sellers-esque figure, Gigi Del Neri, they win promotion to Serie A for the first time, of course, uh, where they would be competing with the likes of Juve, Inter, Milan, uh, with players like Del Piero, Turam, Shevchenko, Montella, Totti, I mean, you name it, with a squad that included Lorenzo Danna, Remember, he was a qualified lawyer. Yeah,
1: who's now the coach cu- of Kievo?
0: Massimo Marazzina, right, and Eriberto. Do you remember Eriberto? Luciano also known as Luciano. Yeah, and it didn't look... I think if, if there was one certainty at the start of that season gap, it was that Chievo were going to go straight back down.
2: Yeah, and and it seemed guaranteed. And, you know, the guy, Badford, you mentioned, for for those who don't know, he was a guy who... He, he was at Bologna, if, yeah. I'm not, if I'm not mistaken. He was like 17 years old, you know, tricky Brazilian winger. And you know, not a bad footballer, except later... I don't know if it was a cave or after he moved, but they find out actually, Eriberto doesn't exist. You're actually like a 24 year old guy named Luciano.
0: Didn't Eriberto exist,
1: but had died, and he'd taken over a, a dead man's identity? Yeah, because in order to to get to Europe, and this is a common practice, not only in South America but in Africa as well, agents come to to these 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 players, promising a move um, to a, to one of the big leagues, let's say, um, and they approached. Um, Luciano and said um, actually in order to get a club you're you're going to have to be younger so we're going to give you these false papers and I think yeah I think Eriberto had passed away (laughs) and these papers were were given to him and yeah he was you know a few years younger than he actually was
0: and he was the star of what was a spectacular Kievo side but if I recall correctly it was he who actually admitted it he wasn't found out. He said he couldn't live with it, and I think his suspension came while he was still playing for Kiev. But the thing was, far from being relegation fodder, Kiev started like an absolute train. The first two games, they beat Fiorentina and Bologna, and next up took on Juventus and went two 0 up within the first twenty minutes.
1: Yeah, and uh, this was was it the ube side that had just got rid of Zidane, but was yeah. was rebuilding with uh, with with Gigi Buffon and Nedved and Nedved and, and co. Um, and uh, they were completely fearless. And I think uh, Del Neri, who, after the job it, he did at Chievo, was chosen to replace Jose Mourinho at Porto after Mourinho had won the Champions League there and thrown his medal into, into the crowd. Really interesting interesting figure. Um, sometimes a bit of a figure of fun because he's he's from Friuli, he speaks a dialect that you know, few people other than his players can understand, speaks super quick as well. But I suppose... Brought back kind of classic 4-4-2, high pressing, insane offside trap that they they just could could play with their eyes closed and kept kept catching some of the the best strikers not only of the age but of all time, <laughs> offside and um, yeah just showed incredible character going away to places like San Siro, uh, the Delhi Alpi. Um, sometimes going behind, coming back, getting in front, uh, and all that sort of thing, and just um, sticking well, it up. And
2: what they had too, what made it work, is they had these these players who were wonderfully one dimensional. Um, I think it was it was Cosato, who's this guy who's this big, tall dude, but he's like a he's like a winger because he just runs up and down. He has zero ability whatsoever, but he'd score all these goals where, you know, you mentioned the four four two he'd be the guy who, would like, you know, Roberto would down, run down one flank and he'd sort of appear at the far post and he'd be jumping against, you know, a full-back who was like 5'9", five, 5'10". Five, so every time he'd beat him. And, and it took people a long time to figure out what was going on. And then, of course, in midfield, they had the pride
0: of Ashton under Lyme and future World Cup winner, Simone Perrotta, who... Who was the record signing, to give you a... Perspective on their finances. The record signing for I think a million euros.
2: Yeah, and he just kind of rampaged uh, and made late runs into the box, and then they had, uh, uh and then they had one of my all-time favorites, um Eugenio Corini, mm. aka Il Genio, the, the genius, genius, who, as a when he was young, he was supposed to be the next big thing. Remember the um, the under twenty-one side to, he was in. Yeah, and he moved to Juventus and yeah. stuff, and. It just never worked out for him because he's the kind of guy who, I don't know, would you? I guess Pedro comparisons might seem OTT, but
1: sort of similar kind of.
2: Thick bad Pedro, the deep lying playmaker who gets the ball, passes Imagine it. Imagine
1: Pedro with no hair. Yeah. And there you go.
0: Imagine Pilo who'd never met Mazzoni or Ancelotti, and, and maybe there you go. You're listening to Galazzo, the totally Italian football show. For that period, and indeed the season that followed, Kievo were playing at a completely different velocity to, to the rest of Serie A.
1: They were doing things like going to San Siro and beating Inter. And the Inter with Ronaldo and Christian Vieri up front. Um, yeah, this, this yeah, was... but also Hector Cooper on the man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, I mean, you had this this game, what before Christmas, where it's essentially a top-of-the-table clash uh, between Kievo and Inter and... Uh, Did they go in front and then Vieri equalised and then they still managed to get in front again and a famous win. just Extraordinary.
0: And they they ended up topping the table, leading at one point, I think by four points, for six weeks Mm. they were on top of the Serie standings. And uh, the the other thing about this was that this came at a time when the other Verona team were pretty much symbolising all that was nasty about football. Racist fans, financial problems, beginning a descent down through the divisions.
1: Yeah, I mean uh, I think that's one of the, the other things that um that, that Hellas fans ended up really quite resenting about Kievo uh, is that um I think because Hellas have been there since, you know, the the beginning of time and everyone associates football uh in that region with Verona, with Hellas that Kievo uh, were just given a kind of um uh, a pass really. They were a clean slate where they were like, We're we're everything that hell us and not. So we've got Christian Manfredini who's, mm. you know, um one of the you know, a Kid who was born in the Ivory Coast, adopted by uh, Italian parents. A little bit like, a um, little bit like Balotelli's story. He's running up the wing for us. Um, you know, we've got um, we've got a Neapolitan, D'Angelo at the back, who's who's um, who's our captain. Has been with us for, for yonks. You know, when you all, you know, when Maradona comes here, you all you all chant these terrible things about uh, about people from the south and Neapolitan. And so years later, so too was your
2: manager, Andrea Mandorlini, as, well, as it turned <laughs> yeah. out. It really was, as James says, it was this this, is this remarkable situation and what made the duality with verona worse was some people may remember this but 84 85 season which also happens to be the last time referees were assigned to games based on an absolutely random draw uh weird coincidence that was the last year that a small club won the title and Mm. that's when verona did it and back then and that was you know a Hans-Peter Briegel and and, um, Larson and all these guys. And so there was actually a real feel-good about Verona. And then they become kind of the ogres standing for everything that's wrong with Italian football. And Kiev will become this lovable, cuddly sort of alternative version of Verona, which for those who haven't been, it's not only one of the wealthiest cities in Italy, it's a city of Romeo and Julia. It's a city of the arena. They talk a little bit funny, they sound a bit slow and they, they swear talk all the time.
0: They have yeah. the <laughs> most amazing chips. <laughs> the, In the Piazza dell'Erbe, the, 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 the chips there are extraordinary. <laughs> but you know, they're not bad people, <laughs> right? You know,
2: But they were all made to seem like these the, 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 these horrendous
0: ogres. And, right. Yeah, And, that's and, what, and, and as James is saying, because they had virtually no fans of their own, they kind of became everybody's pet team. Only helping was that wonderful, wonderful anthem produced by Ivana Spagna. That first season, they ended in fifth place, just missing out on a Champions League position or a, a qualifying spot. Then there was a seventh place finish, then a ninth in the last season under Del Neri, and then they began to fall away a little bit. But in 2007, under the return to Del Neri, Kievo finally went down, but only for one season. They came back up. So the fairy tale continued. Except that as we pick up the story now in 2018, with Kievo celebrating 10 straight years in the top flight, it's a very different picture. Currently, bottom of the Serie A Classifica on minus points why Gabrieli? okay this is where i have to lapse into uh into accounting and bring up amortization
2: i'll try to make this as painless as possible in fact if you were, you're you're a film guy uh you remember the big short oh yeah i know this is actually audio not video which might be a better thing i'm not exactly margot robbie but i'll try to explain this as simply as
0: it's as sexier a manner as possible exactly can we just run the bubble bath okay away you go
2: Okay, so basically when a football club um, sells a player, they book the whole value of the sale. So uh, if I sell Charlie, our producer, to James for 10 quid, uh, for that season I say, oh look, I've made 10 quid. But James on the other hand won't put the 10 pounds he spent on Charlie on his books. That's right. James will go and he'll, uh, uh, he'll sign Charlie to a five-year contract. And this is the magic called amortization you're right okay so Charlie's costing me two pounds uh, a year for the next five years right okay so why has this been a problem for Kev? so this can you can do all sorts of magical fiddling with this because what happens is if James and I let's say James has uh, another guy named Ben mm-hmm. hypothetically right so I swap Charlie for Ben right and what I do is I say oh look I just acquired Ben for, and I had to spend 10 pounds to do it. But in my books, it's two pounds a year for right. the next five years. Um, but I've sold Charlie for 10 pounds. Mm-hmm. And so I've got a, a
0: plus 10 on the other side. Right. So you're and eight so pounds. I in made
2: profit. eight pounds. Yes. Right. Now, what's um,
0: important for the, for, from, from uh, Kieva's point of view here is that this is how they were basically appearing solvent in order to have a license to continue playing in Syria. Yeah.
2: And this is also the second time they got busted. They got busted in 2009. This time around, the issue is with, uh, with Chizena, another Syria club, falling onto hard times and in the hands of some pretty despicable people. Chizena went bust it's emerged that they were doing all sorts of deals with Kievo with these very obscure players,
0: uh, youth players and stuff like that. How many deals? I th- Isn't there talk of about 60 players or so that, that, that Kievo... I were over in?
1: four years it was talking of, of maybe something like 60 million or something like that. Right. In terms of... You know, uh, in a, terms a, of money. In terms of trading, right. um, you know, pretty much unknown young players. Right. Or trading players who then immediately get loaned back. Right. Um, Which
0: may, on one hand, seem like a little bit of creative accounting, such as a lot of businesses may get up to, but these are young players' careers that may be affected by this, by getting sent out on loan or just being used as make in a deal or yeah, in a bit I, of accounting. To be fair,
2: I mean, these are players who
1: aren't going to have careers. Um, I mean, Shusena provided probably more players um for Antonio Conte's quarterfinal reaching uh, European championship side than any other team. You know, when you think of Marco Parolo, Graziano Pelle. There are more, check it out, you know. Okay. So. But these were
2: not Pelle or Parolo no. type players. These no. were these were absolute no names. And you know, they came out and they argued and they came up with such a stupid defense, which for me, I don't like Campanelli. I I haven't liked him since we kind of, you know, looked behind, like in the Wizard of Oz, you know, right. You look so Luca campadelli
0: was about thirty-two when Keba he stopped came
2: being out. amusing a long time ago. You used, used to say, "Oh, look, he looks like Harry Potter." like right. No, no, not yeah. He but, was also
0: uh, a yeah. massive English football fan, and he used to go across and watch Preston North End and this kind of yeah. Thing. He's a massive tool, is what he is. You know, right? Like, well, why have you Daniel had an Rockstar- issue with him then?
2: Because it's people like him who ruined Italian football. This club has no business being in Serie. A. They're in Serie a because because of the this creative a, a, a accounting and this cheating, which is what it is. It's cheating. They've been found guilty of it. They've been found guilty. They were found guilty of it before. Now it's happened again. They had Del Neri who. Yes, they did play nice football and it was impressive and he can be entertaining. But let's not forget, this is a Jaya guy. This is a guy who after he left, you know, he went to um, he, he went to Porto, he went to Roma. He stunk it up everywhere he went because mm-hmm. nobody could understand him. All the right. minute he was no longer in, in the Jaya blanket, you know, we, the, the bottom fell out. Oh, he got samped to the Champions League preliminaries gap. That's why he got the Juve job.
0: Yeah, I'm <laughs> less sad about that. It's extraordinary that. the number of jobs he's had, actually.
2: Hmm. Yes. Yeah. For a guy who doesn't make any sense when he speaks. <laughs> <All right. laughs> and you know what? It's a, you say, Oh, it's from Friuli. Well, you know, Fabio Capello's from Friuli. Yeah, right. Eddie Ray, is huh? from, from yeah. Friuli. They don't behave like this guy. Um no, they are, I'm i I'm joking, obviously, the opposite talent there. The funny thing about Gigi Danetti got a little bit of himself was when he went to Porto, he lasted what, like it did like two like six games or even less than that. And Jose Mourinho, who of course I remember back in when when we had a a good dialogue. Obviously, Porto was his old club. And after they sacked the I remember him like giggling about it. He said, like, ha, this guy thought he could go into the house of the European champions, speak to my defense, or what was left of it, because obviously Carvalho and forever gone. And showed them he would show them videos, grainy, crappy videos
1: of Kievo. To show them how they should move around the pitch. Oh, come on. This is what Saki did with Milan players. No, it's like, this is Brusca. This is, uh, who was it? At the back for Parma. Come on. I think
2: that's the <laughs> obvious illusion, though, that Mourinho was making. <laughs> mm. It's one thing for Saki to be
1: doing it. Yeah. Gigi Del Nevis is not Saki. And never oh, will be. I probably thought he was, though. Mm. But so, this, is, this is such a Mourinho thing to do. I remember when uh, Benitez replaced him at Inter, and uh, the reporters would say, oh, Inter... Man. If you seen the interview, like, ah, oh, they've lost again. They've lost again, have they? So he just revels in it. it.
2: Or when Mourinho replaced Mancini and uh, he complained that there was no... He's like, what? There's no manager's office in the training ground. <laughs> Mancini's like... Mancini, of course, who, as you know, takes criticism and provocation very well and in a very even-handed <laughs> way and is in no way hysterical. He's like, He's like, yeah, well... <laughs> My my office is the training pitch. <laughs>
0: you know? Interesting. Kevo though, James has Gab been a little bit over the top in his uh, feelings there about the flying donkeys.
1: I think the worst thing is that they now look like the worst kind of hypocrites. Insofar as when they when they came up, they were like, "We are pure. We are anti-business." You know. You know. You should have seen Moji's face when we went top of the league. You know, mm. we're showing that you can do it another way, and that's why Moj's everyone face likes was us.
2: smiling because his client was the manager. But yeah. yeah. We had this idea in Italy of of La Provincia, right? The the provincial town, the small town outside of the big cities where everything is is pure and wonderful. They used to say the exact same stuff about Parma and of course we know how well that one <laughs> turned out, not once but twice. Um, and this idea that oh these people and these people in the countryside with their old school values and they don't take things too seriously and it's all about how hard work and getting up early to go and milk the cows and the chickens and you know what it's not okay even even him with his stupid pandoro which by the way is nowhere near as good as Panettone from Milan which yeah pandoro is like so this is cool. what
0: Palawani uh, made and still make and yeah
2: this crappy disgusting synthetic sugar based well, James, you
1: were at Kiev's first game of this season yeah. in what, 30 degree heat <laughs> in Verona? And even hotter in the in the press room in the bowels of the Bentigodi where yeah. there's no air conditioning. And yeah, they were serving up nice little fruit pots, but then a side of, of Pandoro, which was un po' pesante. Yeah. Pandoro or Panettone? It was Pandoro. No, I'm P- saying for you,
0: Pandoro oh, or Panettone. Oh, Panettone. Yeah. yeah. It's no, a so mystery, you're only supposed you to eat
1: Panettone like non in si December.
0: Discute.
2: Yeah. And then the leftovers in January. Right. Pandoro, of course, because he really is all about flogging his crappy cake year round, you know, <laughs> they try to serve it to you throughout the year. It's it's just bland. It's and and the other absurdity of it, this whole like idea of like, Oh look the man with a cake factory. You know, it, it's not like Campanelli's sitting there in his kitchen like with uh, like with with a chef's hat on surrounded by flour. He's not? No, it's a freaking mechanized factory where where you probably don't even have any workers anymore. You probably have just one man pushing a button, and this whole mechanized thing churns out this garbage, which he then sells to people and and feeds James on opening
1: day. All right. I think because Ronaldo's right.
2: <laughs> coming, and the best you can do is serve the media your 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 crappy leftover Pandoro from last season. Hey, look,
1: Come I on. was glad to get something. Gab. Yeah, sometimes you know when you go to you know, the Italian clubs, you know when you've been spoiled by Premier League fare, you know you, you don't get anything. So you know a bit of Heavy Pandora. Pff, you need laughing. some sugar, you know.
0: Well, Kievo, who have looked like the fairy tale's very much over for them, the, 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 the clock has struck midnight, they've turned back into a pumpkin, or what you will. This weekend, actually staging a remarkable comeback against Roma from 2-0 down to 2-2 Falling. under one of the heroes of that early prize, Lorenzo Danna, who's a qualified lawyer and came through, I think, every division with the Flying Donkeys and is now uh, on the bench as their yeah. manager. I think
1: he owns a Poor flat which, which looks over Romeo and Juliet's balcony. Is that right? Yeah. His wife, Carlotta, could actually open the window right. and look out on the... On the, on the for some, some
0: terrorist talk... <laughs> of a different kind. Of yeah. a different kind. Okay, so but now with this points penalty, can they stay up? Is Gabriele finally going to get to see this blemish on the face of Syria wiped away, or are they going to continue stinking up the place with their Pandora? The prosecutor asked for a fifteen points penalty,
1: which is what Chisina got. Right. So, so what? Which going? is
2: well with Chisina they could have given them a million points penalty. Yeah, sure. Because they were they were bust. That was one of those like. You know, it's it's kind of like when the guy in death row confesses to fifty murders. You know, it's kind of like okay, you know. But no, I I think when I saw, I, I was appalled when I saw the, the three points penalty. Yeah, mm. you know, because what kind of message are we sending? Yeah, and now these schifos, they're, 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 they're somehow going to stay up because you just know, right? You know, you look at these other, you know, poor Frosinone, they, Longo seems like a nice guy, but they're frankly terrible. Um, you know then there's going to be another big club that somehow implodes and you know they're somehow going to sneakily go and and stay up on the last day of the season playing that same crappy football that, you know, even Maran, okay, I'm happy for him. He got a nice job. Hmm. What kind of nonsense football from like the 1980s was he playing?
1: Yeah. Well, like, Kievo football from the 1980s, because he was part of the 1980s Kievo team, which is the other thing is that they've always had a very kind of uh, strong sense of their own identity and they just keep appointing the guys who used to be there. Even Satori, who was the sporting director who for many years found these kind of players, you know, be them playing in Switzerland or the French second division or in lower leagues in Italy. You know, he was a player uh, hey, for that sorry, club. have you noticed that most Kievo players,
2: except maybe for Corini, who was good beforehand, mm. And, and I suppose Perrota. I think it's like that a lot of them, when they move to other clubs, they become terrible. I'm thinking of Marazzina, I'm thinking well, of Luciano.
1: you know what the, the interesting thing I mean about some uh,
2: Bali I guess is
1: one who didn't but still but I was I was looking at um, their signings over the last 15 years or so and, mm-hmm. and, and given their reputation, you'd expect them to be selling guys that they bought for nothing uh-huh. for a hell of a lot of money right And instead their biggest ever sale, I think is what they got for a Roberto inglese this this summer from Napoli. The, the rest are kind of like between five, seven million. Which is nothing when you, when you think who was, of. Who was the other guy, the midfielder, also
2: played left back, who he was French? Kevin Constant.
1: Yeah. <laughs> he was
2: good. He looked really good. And then he goes to, to Milan and he becomes really, really bad. Yeah.
1: And was wearing a, a dicky bow with no shirt on. Yeah those were the dark days oh damn
0: yeah Yeah. so listen because it troubles me I left Italy in in 2002 when Kiev were still that team it troubles me that we've talked this way about what do they mean to you James no I just want to for me they were always they were a breath of fresh air at the time and okay that fresh air had gone a bit stale but I'm staggered at at what has been going on let's just finish off with something positive Gab who's your your favourite Kiev player of all time
1: oh wow Cossato. Cossato. I'm going to say Sergio Pellissier. Oh, it's got to be Pellissier. Oh, what a hero. Got he scored more goals in Serie A than Marco van Basten. Wow. What a hero. He still wears this horrendous orange Casio <laughs> that he's been taking into a pre-season training camp with him for 20 years. Um, yeah, I mean, Sergio Pellissier is one of the good guys now. No, I... <laughs> Cabs are... Yes, right. No, look, they're not
2: all... It's not like everybody who's ever been associated with Chievo bad. But... And look, maybe Campedelli was good originally. But... He's certainly now in the dark side and I think that this nonsense has been allowed to go on for way, way too long.
0: That could refer to a lot of things. Well, next up on this golazzo we'll have a quick chat about what Inter did against Spurs on Tuesday night and we'll also be hearing why Ivan Gatsidis is rocking up himself at San Siro. Galazzo! Gab, Ivan Gatsidis... Chief executive of Arsenal walks out to join Milan. This has been confirmed this week, Gab, is that right?
2: Yeah, it was confirmed on
0: uh, Tuesday. Okay, and uh, well, so why has he done it? And what is he going to do to the Rosaneri?
2: Well, I wrote a long piece about this for, for, for ESPN because uh. I actually wrote on Monday that a bunch of people said, look, he's negotiating his exit. There's no turning back now. But in a nutshell, from an Arsenal perspective, I think for most people, it doesn't really make A lot of sense what he's doing because he he had this long standing back and forth with Arsene Wenger now Wenger's gone Mm -hmm. now he's the big boss Uh, his owner Stan Kroenke bought out Uzmanov now his owner you know owns 100% of the club he appointed his own guys obviously the manager uh, Raul Sanyehi who leads the football operation this guy Mislintat so basically he had all his people in many of these guys came because he was there He's the second highest paid executive in English football, and I believe in in Europe as a whole. And now all of a sudden, he bolts for Milan. You can look at this different ways. One is that he wants a new challenge, and it's odd because he doesn't speak Italian. It's a new league for him. Another one is there's a personal level, and it's a story of a beautiful friendship between two men. Ivan Gazidis and Gordon Singer, who've known each other for for many, many years. According to one story, which I wasn't able to stand up, they, they play five-a-side together. Gordon Singer is the son of Paul Singer, and they own this hedge fund called Elliott, which, of course, we've been through the story of how they came to own Milan. And Gordon trusts Ivan implicitly, and so he wants Ivan to be there. Others have said that he's going to get a lot more money at Milan.
0: Really? Would that be possible?
2: I don't believe it's true at all. I think his base salary is actually, from what I've been told, his base salary is going to be lower. He does have obviously bonuses, maybe even an equity play. Um, because obviously, the thing with Milan is throwing out very broad numbers, but Elliot acquired the club for 400 million. Most people would probably figure that it was worth um, maybe 600, 650 million, probably not the 740 million that. Lee and the other snake oil salesmen bought it from originally, but so the idea is a guy like Gazidis can grow can grow the club commercially, right? Mm-hmm. So then you grow it, so it's worth a billion, we and then flip it in three to five years. Elliot sells, yeah, and Gazidis gets a big slice of the increase. But there's a few problems with it. One is that first of all, this is Elliot. they could sell tomorrow, and then you know if somebody comes along because ultimately they have a responsibility to shareholders. But the other thing that's interesting is you wonder how much can Ivan actually do to the club? So obviously, Milan have a ton of things going for them. They are a great squad and so on. But, you know, key positions, Paolo Maldini as director of football development. Yes. and
1: you know, He's got a funny title. He does Leonardo's photocopying.
2: Yeah. yeah. And uh, and Leonardo as director of football. You know, those roles have been filled. Commercially, I think that's where Ivan's expected to, to go and, and make have the biggest impact. I'm sure he'll do a great job, again, the bar set very low by the people who came before him, but you can grow that. But what you 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 know you're not going to be able to go and grow revenue via TV money straight away because City just signed their big TV deal. Um, you know, Milan aren't in the Champions League this year. Uh, stadium wise, obviously they make a killing off the Emirates, but again, it's not easy to do that with the with the San Siro or or to go and, and build a new stadium. So I think it's a real gamble for Gazitis as well. But again, if you're a Milan
1: fan, whatever happens, you're in a much, much better situation than you were. 12 months you ago. You know FFP better than most people, Gab. I mean, there's a talk at the moment about them maybe even trying to get a voluntary agreement uh, again because there's been a change of ownership. Yeah. Is- so again, I don't know if I bore people enough with the thing. So again,
2: picture Margot Robbie <laughs> right. as I speak uh, and pretend it's her voice that you're hearing and she's in the bubble bath. Um, yeah. So basically... Milan made tremendous... Milan are already subject to a settlement agreement from um, uh, from UEFA, and this is for massive losses that were incurred actually before Lee even took over the club. Then obviously, Lee comes in, they spent a ton on players last summer, um, so there's even more losses coming. Now, what UEFA allows you to do is if there's been a change of ownership, you can sign something called a voluntary agreement, where, you know, you. The argument is, you're not responsible for losses that came before, but you need to bring a credible uh, business plan about Mm. how you're going to grow revenues in the long term. So they allow you to go and basically spend money, make more losses for a year, two years, maybe even three years, as long as then there's a positive trend and you make all the money back in year four, year five. So that's something Milan can go and try to do. I think it's going to be difficult. I mean, I think they will get one, but I I don't think it's going to give them that much latitude. I think all it means is they're still going to be able to play in Europe um, simply because the losses accrued before were so big.
0: Thanks, Gab. Here's a towel. Now, across (laughs) town at Inter, they are in Europe, and uh, what a remarkable result they had on Tuesday against Spurs. We'll talk about that in the final part of this, after this. Padse Inter doing their uh, usual padseer then on Tuesday night. They were looking for a turnaround to a season that has not begun well. They were all the way down in 14th place after the weekend's action in Serie A. Weekend's action, which saw them lose at San Siro to newly promoted Parma and basically look clueless as per usual. They went a goal behind against Spurs Gabrieli. As someone with, you know, Nerazzurri leanings, what did you think was going to happen then? A comeback?
2: <laughs> yeah, right. No, of course not. I mean, <laughs> I, this is Inter. And then I thought, you know, in the run-up to the game, I thought, all right, I think Spurs have been really poor this season too. The, the win at United notwithstanding. And so I thought, although two poor teams and two teams that are known over the years for their inconsistency, you know, I think Spursy certainly applies to Inter it's as well. It, yeah. um, but I thought one team is Pochettino the other team has a guy who's gone the way of Mr. Kurtz at Heart of Darkness, you know, <laughs> where he's now a god in his own mind and has lost it. And it looked to me like that's the way it was doing, you know. So was, so how did it happen? How did they end up it with Well, it then something well. happens it never happens. Right. Mauri Cardi actually shoots. Well, Asamoah puts in a bad cross, which does happen, unfortunately. And then Mauri Cardi just just this incredible thing where he just he just hits the cover off the ball from outside the box, which Icardi doesn't do. The guy doesn't shoot from outside the box. Only
1: his fifth goal in the 108 that he scored for Inter from outside the box. box. Extraordinary.
0: And then, there wasn't that long to go, but they still managed to find a winner. And, and I guess that's where the spursiness came in.
1: Yeah, I suppose. Although you know, uh, you can add this to the definition of Spursy this season, which is they they cannot defend set pieces to to save their lives. We you know, we saw that against Watford, saw it against Liverpool, Inter. I think this was the most appropriate way for them to win this game because it's essentially how they qualified, how they got back into the Champions
0: League.
1: Last-minute late goal from from Matthias Vecino. And, um, you know, Vecino is why they're in the Champions League, essentially, because let's not forget what happened at the end of last season. Interqualified because someone else choked more than they did, which is is Lazio. And Vecino, um, who popped up to score this one, you know, scored the goal that ended this six-and-a-half-year wait for them to be back in the Champions League. Right. So they
0: had a big banner up before the game against Spurs, in English, saying simply we are back. Now, the papers yesterday were suggesting that a win in Europe could spark a revival for the Nerazzurri, a team that, that does have a good squad or a, a squad with many talented players, but as yet hasn't really impressed or looked anything like
1: the anti uve that we were predicting before the start and of the have, season. They had the best kind of start to the season you could imagine in terms of, you look at the fixture list, right. you know, they've got Sassuolo, Torino, Padma, and uh, Bologna. Yeah, they should be on they should be on nine to maximum points. Right. Do you see them back now with this? Are no. they still
0: fundamentally missing something? I'll tell you this,
2: I was only watching it on television, but the Academy goal and the way it came, those last, you know, however many minutes of the game, Sensido was absolutely rocking in a way that I'm sure it must have happened since Mourinho left. But I don't remember. I mean, that's what you associate with them was the marine You know, the year that Mourinho nearly cost them the title because he frittered away that giant lead and they actually went behind Claudio Ranieri's Roma. You remember that. Yeah? I mean, mm. it was horrendous. The, the but that, again. at the end, when they came exactly. back, I mean, it was that same energy, that belief that we can do this. And Inter have had big crowds for, for, for a while mm. now, well over 50,000. But this really was, this really was special. And now it's up to Spalletti to go and channel the energy in Italy with this bad habit that like okay so it used to be all about results now we we do point out when teams play well so for example the Parma game you know I don't think Inter deserve to lose that and no. then, you know they all focused on the penalty you you know just focus on the fact that Inter created more chances and played rel- relatively well but Inter is so fragile mentally so we focus on whoa who's got you know personalita who has got the who's got the pal you know and yeah. this idea of leadership which I think is important but gets way over egged they have leaders
0: you know, isn't if, the problem that they don't have a creative
1: uh, well, brain I mean, in midfield yeah look I mean what they did they tried to do in the summer which was sign Luka Modric I think in part because that was a response to ah, Juve have gone and got Cristiano Ronaldo but that's something that they need they're, 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 and they've needed it for years I mean they signed Borja Valero Borja Valero's your creative and I know yeah. he's been poor since coming over but
2: actually he home, was but... on
0: field when the comeback happened
2: yes he yeah. came on and he helped, he helped make it happen. But, I mean, not so much with the sort of creative playmaking. Right.
1: But Bo um, has been completely forgotten about. And he's been poor for a he's while. He's paid a lot of money, you know, because he came came on a free transfer. And he's. it's almost like Spalletti... Uh, Found him down the back of the sofa last night because it was just like, well, where else has he been? You right, know, I mean, he the, should be playing.
2: They have Brozovic, who was a
1: monster in the World Cup,
0: I thought, but again, is in, in that kind of pulling the strings role?
1: Well, he did well Ooh. at the end of last season. That was one of the things that really clicked for Inter, is Brozovic all of a sudden seemed to just become the player that they wanted. Um, him to become and needed in that someone in the middle of the park but he's also so inconsistent the buzz I mean he's uh,
2: and the other the other problem with the other guys whether it's Valero or Matias Vecino is they're also freaking slow you know and it's just again I I think it's a poorly constructed team not for the first time but weirdly Piero Osilio keeps getting
1: New contract, so... I well, I mean, know, the issue point. for me, Gabby, is like, ah, oh, what worked for his last season? Okay, we had Brozovic playing in front of the defence, we've got Cancelo, we've got Rafinha just playing off the striker, and all of a sudden, they become a little bit less predictable and start creating chances, and, uh, oh, yeah, we've we kind of let Cancelo go to Juve because we've got to get our financial fair play in order because... We signed Gian Mario, Gabby Gold for you know basically the cost of the entire Lazio team. Um, and uh, and Rafinha, yeah, we're not so hot on that. We'll get we'll get Raja, even though you know the option to sign Rafinha was so expensive. But it's like you've just taken away two of the three components which made your team better last year. Okay, well we'll see how this year's interfere this weekend, how
0: much momentum they can take into this from the midweek Champions League victory. They are away at Sampdoria, who are Ooh. Right now, one of the hottest sides in Serie A, fresh from a 5-0 victory last weekend against Frosinone, Sampdoria, ooh, with Gregoire Defrel, with Caprari, and of course, with Qualiarella. <laughs> yeah.
1: Be afraid, Gabriele. They're playing tonight against Fiorentina.
0: In the game postponed because of the bridge disaster in Genoa.
1: Yes, um, and uh, I would say that if you're not watching Champions League football tonight, check that out because they're two pretty exciting teams. Federico nice. Chiesa, Cholito Simeone.
2: Mm. Youngest team in Europe. Mm-hmm. Big five, as yeah. I discovered. Fiorentina? Yeah. I mean, I read it on the internet, so it's probably fake news. But <laughs> I know, but it was them and, and, and Leipzig were like head and head. This being in that things you hold can crumble and run through your fingers like dust, mm. as you well know, James. Um, <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, but...
2: Yeah. It's, but you know, it's just a drop of ocean in an
0: endless sea, I suppose. Mm-hmm. But they should be all right for this season. You think they're fourteenth, but they'll probably stay up.
2: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I, I would. I, I would imagine so. Okay, good. I goes. would
0: imagine so. All right, listeners, thank you for staying with us. Golanta will return next week when we'll find something else topical and something else not so topical to discuss. For now, many thanks to James Horncastle and Gabriele Marcotti. Listener, thank you ever so much. For now, from all of us here, to Riva dirce. You've been listening to Galazzo, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, email sales at muddyneesmedia.com and make sure you check out our other podcasts this season. The Totally Football League show with Caroline Barker and the Totally Scottish Football show with
1: Andrew Slaven.